0: She just looked at me and she goes, Are you leaving or are you staying? And so I said, I think it's best for both you and I, you know, if I were to move on. And she goes, Great, your last day will be tomorrow.
1: And I felt panicked. You're listening to Financial Grown Up with me, certified financial planner Bobby Rebel, author of how to be a financial grown up. And you know what? Being a grown up is really hard, especially when it comes to money. But it's okay. We're going to get there together. I'm going to bring you one money story from a financial grown-up, one lesson, and then my take on how you can make it your own. We got this. Hey, financial grown-up friends. So given that you are choosing to listen to a money podcast, you probably have an emergency fund or you know that you should have one and hopefully are working on building one up. I'll be honest, my family's goes up and down. It's not always where I want it to be. But this story, shared with us by Victory Media's Tori Dunlap, is going to lock into your mind why so many financial experts go on and on and on about that darn emergency fund. Special welcome to our new listeners. So glad you found us and that you are here. And to our regulars, we appreciate your support. You are everything to us, so please continue to listen to the show and to support it by telling friends that you think deserve to live a richer life. Maybe do a quick screenshot and post it on social media. Make sure you tag me at BobbiRebell on Twitter, at BobbiRebell1 on Instagram so that I can thank you. And on that note, to our inspiring guest, Tori Dunlop, she is the force behind a new blog, Victory Media, which focuses on career and personal advice for millennials that, as you will hear, is already drawing a lot of attention because it's just really good. Here is Tori Dunlop. Hey, Tori Dunlop, you're a financial grown up. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. You came to my attention because you have been nominated at the only awards account, of course, the Plutus Awards, <laughs> as best new blog. And then I was checking out your blog and I had to have you on the podcast. So thank you for being here.
0: It's been so awesome. This is my first FinCon and obviously my first nomination, my first kind of finalist opportunity. So yeah, I'm just over the moon thrilled.
1: We are joined because I'm, of course, honored that this podcast was nominated as Best New Podcast. So we'll be up there with the newbies, the two of us, hanging out at FinCon. Woohoo! It'll be great. All right. You brought with you a money story that I found a little bit shocking, but maybe it's not as unusual in the millennial world. I'm a Gen Xer. But maybe it's not that unusual because you kind of just went with your gut. Tell us, Tori. Yeah,
0: so I took a job for the money and ended up regretting it very, very hard. (laughs) Let me just
1: interject one thing, though. A lot of the time jobs are about money you should take a job that pays enough money. It shouldn't be just about the money, but money does matter. Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, if jobs didn't
0: pay us money, we wouldn't show
1: up, Exactly. (laughs) So So. it's okay to take jobs for the money, but clearly there was something else going on
0: that didn't work. Totally. Yeah. So I was looking to get out of my first job right out of school and I realized I wasn't growing. I wasn't learning anything. I wasn't feeling challenged in the way that I wanted to. What kind of to. job was and it? So what were you doing? I worked, I actually ended up leading digital marketing, you know, marketing and communication for this global security company. So, and by job right out of college, I was the only marketing communication or PR person for like this 5,000 employee company. So it was really crazy. And I just knew that being kind of this team of one, that there wasn't a lot of growth trajectory for me there. So after about a year and a half, I knew it was time to leave, and I got approached by this recruiter who, you know, told me this job that sounded perfect on paper. Um, it was a digital marketing manager role, which is what I know, what I'm good at, what I'm good at, what I love. I came in to an interview, and something in my gut just didn't feel right. The office was like half office, half showroom. Everybody there, they weren't really talking to each other. There was only about 12 people in the office, and I'm a really social person, and so that was kind of a red flag for me. But I went in and interviewed anyway, and I interviewed with the woman who was to be my boss, and she was the CEO of the company. Within about 10 minutes of that interview, she offered me the job on the spot, which, again, was kind of a red flag. I'm like, I know I'm awesome, but
1: (laughs) don't you want to ask me more questions? Were they desperate? I mean, what was going on?
0: Yeah, that was definitely what it was. And so I didn't know this at the time, but the position had been open for about seven months. So they were really looking to find somebody. She asked me what my salary range was. And I knew in order to make a leap uh, from my previous job where I had just received a 20% raise, I knew it was going to have to be another jump up. So I asked for 20% more than what I was already making, expecting, you know, it was going to be a negotiation, expecting she'd counter. And she just agreed. And Ooh. she said, well, this is 20000 more than we paid the last person, but we really like you and we really want you to jump on board.
1: Which is really flattering.
0: Oh, so flattering, yeah. especially for me, you know, and a lot of us struggle, especially How young women. How old were you? Oh, I was 23. Wow. A lot of, you know, young women, especially we suffer from imposter syndrome. And so it was something that was validating, but also scary and also, you know, just overwhelming and exciting. I went home and I talked it over with my family who I'm really close to and close friends and I couldn't put my finger on why, but just my gut was telling me like, no, this is not for you. You're not going to be happy here. This is not the environment that you will thrive in. But I saw dollar signs and I, I couldn't say no. So I ended up accepting the job, went in by day two, I knew that it wasn't going to be a right fit. I ended up leaving the office, calling my mom and saying, hey, mom, I, I don't think I'm going to be able to do this. And like all good moms do, she's like, stick it out. It'll get better. It'll be fine ended up just being a really, really unhealthy work environment. I had really negative interactions with my boss. I was crying myself to sleep at night. I was scared I was going to be fired. I was tasked with these really demanding, overwhelming, yeah, workload that just wasn't feasible for one person to do. I wasn't happy. I wasn't healthy. I wasn't thriving. I wasn't feeling fulfilled at all.
1: This is a lot more than just not being fulfilled. Mm-hmm. this is oh totally. Really, this is your life. you can't be in that kind yeah. of situation,
0: and I knew in my gut right the entire time my gut was telling me, this is not for you, this is not what you want. this is not where you should be, and I didn't listen because. I was dreaming about how much I was gonna be able to save for retirement and like a New Zealand vacation I was going to be able to take and all these things. So I ended up having to quit that job basically, yeah, because it was so unhealthy after about two and a half months without another job lined up, which is like the Tell me about quitting. How did you Um, quit? She was kind of pushing me out. And so I knew if I didn't quit first, it wasn't it wasn't gonna be good. It was gonna be pretty ugly, and I didn't want to go through that. So I had this huge project that I wasn't trained on. I ended up finishing it, even though she was kind of rude against me, which was a horrible feeling and, um, had the project finished by 8 30 AM on a Thursday. I went into her office, you know, an hour and a half later and she just looked at me and she goes, are you leaving or are you staying? (gasps) She knew. (laughs) Yeah. And so I said, uh, I think it's best for you, both you and I, you know, if I were to move on and she goes, great, your last day will be tomorrow. I felt panicked talking to my family. My parents, of course, were really worried. I'm an only child, so they're very involved in my life and especially my finances and so they were they were really worried for me. I knew it was the right decision, and I felt so much relief when I walked out of there at three o'clock on a Friday. even i you know I didn't have a job. I luckily had an emergency fund, which is something I really advocate for. I had enough money that I could you know survive while, I found a new job, but I felt such relief being able to to be happy and and to just leave and to not have to worry anymore.
1: Wow. Well, I'm happy that you had the strength to do that because it is a brave thing and it's scary. What is the takeaway for our listeners?
0: Yeah, I would say... Trust your gut. First off, just understand that, you know, of course, a job at the end of the day is about making an income, but it's also where you spend eight plus hours of your day, you know, for five days a week around people you hopefully like and respect and with a manager who hopefully likes and respects you and vice versa. So make sure you're trusting your gut in any sort of situation, but especially through, you know, a job application and a job interview process. And second, make sure you have an emergency fund, whether it's, you know, needing to get out of a bad situation in a job or needing to leave you know a partner who you live with uh, or you know anything that's an emergency you getting unexpectedly ill or you know you get a flat tire having an emergency fund is so important to be able to give you the freedom to make decisions that you wouldn't be able to if
1: you didn't have one let's talk about your everyday money tip because it's perfect for people that love to travel and travel well because part of growing up is not always having to stay at the youth hostel, and you know, or the budget hotel, whatever. Sometimes you're ready to be in the grown-up hotel.
0: <laughs> We're gonna go in a completely different direction here, much more positive and much more uh, positive. Exciting. Yeah. But uh, one of my favorite money tips that a lot of people don't realize is you and I were both talking before. We really like luxury boutique hotels. For me, they're just a great way to see you know, a new city or to just get a different perspective from a chain hotel. But yeah, they're often expensive and people often use uh, third party sites like Expedia or Orbitz to book on. And um, that's great, but usually what happens is they actually don't give you the best rate, and that surprises a lot of people. So if you go to the hotel's website or if you call them directly, they usually offer you a discount or some sort of perk, like free valet parking or a free breakfast, because you're booking directly with them.
1: Because they pay those sites a commission they have an incentive to have you book directly.
0: Totally. And you're supporting the local business in a way that you weren't if you're booking with Expedia or one of those other sites. So that's a really fantastic way to support that city, support that local business and to also hopefully get a perk out of it as well. And if something were to happen as far as, you know, needing to change your booking or, you know, an emergency comes up, the hotel itself is a lot more flexible. If you try to call Expedia, you know, you're waiting on hold forever and they're usually more um, stringent with, you know, their cancellation policies. So you're not the hotel's customer until you're actually in the hotel if you book with one of those third-party sites. So booking directly just makes the whole process way easier and then hopefully saves you money or gives you some sort of perk as well.
1: Yeah, that's really interesting that the hotel doesn't really engage with you until you're there if you book through the third-party systems. I never really thought about it like that, but it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's a great tip. All right, so now I am new to your blog, but I am also getting a little bit obsessed with it. Some of the headlines, just for people to know. All right, five ways to combat imposter syndrome. So relatable. Four lessons I learned from rap songs. Not relatable, because I don't listen to rap, but definitely got me <laughs> curious. And then I think my favorite one on there was 17 ways to be productive at work when you have nothing to do. Because this happened, one of my jobs early in my career, I tend to be a bit of a workaholic, and sometimes my coworkers don't have the same enthusiasm for their jobs. And I would finish a story early and want to just do more stories just because. And my coworkers didn't want to do that. So I would be left like sitting there kind of lost because I wanted to do more stuff. So tell me more about that article and maybe some of your other favorite ones and, and the blog in general. I write about
0: personal finance and career for millennial women. A lot of the blog content that you see is written by me. And I also bring in different voices. So actually, most of the articles you listed were some of my really great female friends who are also writing about career and finance. And so I really try to bring in different perspectives, too. So it's not just me, you know, droning on and on. But I love talking about negotiation. So I have some negotiating posts on there, like exact scripts to use when you're calling third party sites, kind of like we mentioned, or, you know, when you're negotiating a cable bill or a phone bill, the exact scripts to use. That's something I really love doing. Summer's over now, but it's it's good all year round. I just wrote a post about um, financial to-dos that you can complete over the summer. So give yourself like a three-month period and they're really easy, really actionable as far as you know, just kind of checking them off as you go. And then, yeah, I just sourced one of my favorite articles that I've written recently. I sourced from Rockstar Finance just a bunch of different tips from people about a way to manage your finances in under 10 minutes. So again, super actionable, easy to do. And uh, that was inspired by a post I myself wrote about 11 ways to better your finances in under five minutes. So especially for us millennials, if your finances are kind of out of control or it seems overwhelming, it's hard to get started. It's hard to start chipping away at that iceberg. But these small little things that you can do, you know, that take no more than five, 10 minutes a day, is a great way to get started.
1: By the way, Rockstar Finance, another great website. So all right. So tell us more about where to find out, where to find the blog and where to follow you on all the socials. Yeah. So my name is Tori. So
0: Victory Media is spelled with an I, -I -I, V-I-C-T-O-R-I, media.com. And you can connect with me there, um, find all the blog content as well as all the social media accounts are linked to Victory Media. So I'd love to have you stop by. Thank you, Tori. Thank you so much for having me, Bobby.
1: Hey, everyone. Let's talk about emergency funds. And if you don't have the cash to fund the three to six months many experts recommend, what do you do? Financial grown-up tip number one, if you don't have the cash for an emergency fund needed and want to make sure you have access to cash at a reasonable interest rate, homeowners can get something called a HELOC. That is a home equity line of credit. Now you have to take this out before you need it. That's the key thing, but it will give you a financial lifeline if needed and except for any fees to set it up, if you don't use it, you're not paying interest. So it can just be there if and when you need it and hopefully that'll be never. Financial grown-up tip number two. Tori talked about booking hotels directly with the actual hotel. I've recently started deliberately booking flights directly with airlines. I do my research on Google Flights and third-party services like Expedia, but I actually try to book directly on the airlines. That way, if a change is needed or there are changes in weather, what have you, I have found the airline is usually better able to help you if you're in their system directly. In general, unless a third-party middleman is bringing you real value, There's no real downside to cutting them out. All right, thanks to all of you who have subscribed. The show is free to you, but for us to keep at it, we do need your support. So please do all the things, subscribe, rate, review, and most of all, let people know about us by recommending to friends. And if you haven't read my book, How to Be a Financial Grownup, it just got more affordable because it just came out in paperback. So please check it out. And while you're at it, tell your friends to check out Victory Media. And thanks to Tori Dunlap, for helping us all get one step closer to being financial grown ups. Financial Grown Up with Bobby Rebell is edited and produced by Steve Stewart and is a BRK Media production.